0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Miles.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hi there. Guess what? What? I don't. I can't say anything yet. I don't think. But I'm doing. Uh, I'm gonna do a project next week that has to do with miniatures.
0: Mini, can, and that's all we can say. Miniatures.
1: I think that's all I'm comfortable okay. saying right now. Just a
0: tease. This is like a. Six month out tease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to watch you interact with that miniature stuff, yet unidentified stuff. We <laughs> do. I had a different idea, as you recall, because mm-hmm. I knew you were doing this project involving miniature stuff. Uh-huh. And I said, it'd almost be more fun to have you doing a project where you're handling maximum stuff right. so that you look preposterously small,
1: extra miniature. Because,
0: like, I'm worried that the miniature stuff's going to look full size when you're handling it.
1: That's a worry. Yeah, that's one of the
0: like your your instinct as a show creator is like, well, we need a miniature person.
1: Yeah. But maybe
0: okay. I don't want them to. Yeah. Although, won't it be too late? No, they'll still have time. They have time. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's hope they don't listen to the show.
1: They love the show. Oh
0: fuck. (laughs) Okay. We have an amazing woman on today, Padma Lakshmi. She is an Emmy-nominated food expert, a television host, a producer. And a New York Times best selling author. Incredibly fascinating life. Very we had so much fun talking to her. And she has a new book out called Tomatoes for Neela. Uh, which is this adorable story about teaching a little girl grandma's recipe. So
1: so cute. And we have a really fun fact check. We have a reunion. Oh, yeah.
0: Stay tuned for a race to 270 reunion in the FACI. Yes. It's, it's going to be, what, 95 minutes long, the fact check?
1: No, like 45. Okay. It'll
0: be a nice whopper for everyone in case you have that long commute on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so please enjoy Padma Lakshmi. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing.
1: (gasps) I knew you did that. (laughs) No, I did not do that.
0: I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted.
1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash?
0: Monica, please keep it in the chat. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby wob you, uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy. So easy. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. He's an Hello!
2: Hi.
0: Can you hear us?:
2: Yes, I can hear you.
0: That's kind of a requirement for this to work.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) You must be Monica. I am. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you
1: both. So nice to meet you. We're so excited about this.
0: This is kind of a flex, I just want to say. I'm going to point out all the books in the background, a little bit of a brain flex. I'm
1: intimidated, yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I like it, though. It's a good kind of flex.
1: Is it? Thank you.
0: What percentage of books on that shelf have you read? 100?
2: Probably... A good 75. Like, there are some that I haven't read. Like, the bookshelf goes way up. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see those books on the upper left side? Those are just a collected selection of Joseph Conrad's. I inherited those books, so I have read some Conrad, but I haven't read all of those books.
0: Uh, Conrad's Hearts of Darkness, is that?
2: Yes, exactly. Heart of Darkness, Outcast of the Islands, yeah.
0: Are you a fan of Conrad? I've not read Heart of Darkness. That was obvious when I pluralized
2: hearts. (laughs) (laughs) I am a fan of Conrad. I think it can be problematic because it was written in the time it was, but I still think that in spite of all of the colonialism and patriarchy, which it is completely rampant with, the writing is so exquisite. It just the way that he can write a sentence is still so heartbreaking in its genius. That uh-huh. It's still worthy. Like, good writers are good writers. I mean, there are many good writers who are assholes, but that still doesn't change the <laughs> fact that they're great writers. Exactly.
0: You know, as you say this, it makes me think of an aspect of this ongoing conversation that I don't think I've really even thought of yet. There's so many layers. One of the layers is, yes, that person's writing in a time period. They're swimming in the water. I think it's wonderful that we recognize how flawed we were living and how we're getting hopefully better, but doing that without any judgment of like, I'm a better person, because all of us in that water would behave that way. No one in the 1700s was writing the way we think now in the 21st century
2: that's correct because writing has its own trends and goes through its own evolution as does the rest of our culture and so many of us would not be writing at all in the 1700s women for example certainly brown women would not have been writing i mean the first people that were even allowed to write and publish in america are basically white male authority figures like Jonathan Edwards. The first example of literature or literarily published something was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God which is a very famous piece of writing by someone named Jonathan Edwards. And it's all biblical, and it's all fire and brimstone. It's exactly what you think it's going to be from the Puritans. But that was the only thing you could write about. You could only write about the Bible or Scripture or interpretation of Scripture. And that interpretation, of course, was left to the imagination of a very few chosen people who were allowed to be literate, first of all.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, let's just start with the notion that they were only investing the education in a very select few people. Like the barrier of entry to reading and writing is one can't overcome on their own, really. You can't be a self-starter and just stare at the dictionary for years and all of a sudden read. So yeah, you didn't even have access to something as rudimentary as writing. It's a very wild thought.
2: Yeah. I
0: guess I know very little about you other than I follow you on Instagram. Really good posts. It's fun watching you cook in your kitchen. It seems obvious to me you're in New York somewhere. You've got kind of the light that only a pretty tall apartment has in New York. Uh, Are you on a tall floor? Am I right on this assessment?
2: Yes, yes, I'm on a tall floor. I live downtown right by NYU and it is the big monster across the street of everyone who lives in any part of Greenwich Village. And yeah, I am a New Yorker. I have lived all over in my life, but I really feel like New York is home. It's always been home. I came here from India when I was four and I've been raised pretty much in America, mostly in New York.
1: Before we get into her life, because you are so evolved on current issues and I know you're very vocal. I really like that you said writers can be assholes but good writers and then you can appreciate that because we have these ongoing discussions all the time about Picasso yeah exactly like old school people who have essentially been post-death canceled
0: posthumously canceled
1: (laughs) and yet they've given us a lot and I think people have a hard time holding both things yeah they did horrible things and we also gained
2: it's tough it really is because a lot of the people who have created for example, the music of somebody in my generation, my childhood music, have been found to be really problematic. And yeah. so then you think, okay, so <laughs> am I not allowed to play them on the rotation? Right.
0: Also, like, is it possible that there would be some kind of sliding scale of evaluation? Because there were also these people who were doing criminal acts in their time. Even relative to their culture, they were actual objective monsters then versus fuck just rewind 20 years and watch a monologue from late night like if someone did that monologue today they would be cancelled immediately from network television those things must be evaluated differently
2: they do have to be evaluated differently and i think that culture is learning about nuance a little belatedly, but I think nuance is very important here. Look, as somebody who's been through sexual harassment and sexual assault, it's a really serious fucking thing. And it's a thing that even if you try and compartmentalize it, whatever happens to you, whenever it still seeps into your consciousness and it makes the person who's suffered through that very insecure and very anxious. And really, it sets them back.
0: I have said like, yeah, my world's divided into pre-molesting, post-molesting. Post-molesting is there's a lot of wolves in the world. They're everywhere and you better be able to quickly diagnose who is that and who's not. Like that becomes a reality really quick. Like, oh fuck, some people are out to manipulate me and take advantage of me. I think that's one layer of it. And then for me, I don't know what your experience was, but like this personal guilt I carried, the catch all blanketed, it's not your fault, did not work for me because there was many elements of the experiences that I was culpable. Now I can evaluate it and go, well, I was culpable for an eight year old and I can have forgiveness for myself. But I first have to acknowledge like, I didn't listen to a very bad feeling in me several times. I actually quieted the very bad feeling in myself cause I wanted this other thing. And that's where my shame lies. Like that dude's activities are his to live with. The part I wrestled with for years and just came to terms with like maybe 10 years ago was like, oh, I'm mad at myself that I did not listen to myself. And I got to forgive myself for not listening to myself because I had no experience yet at eight years old to do that. But there was like a personal element to me that I needed to admit and then apologize for and then give forgiveness to so I could move on. I don't doubt I've moved on, but yeah.
2: You've been able to at least explore... The effects it's had in your life so it doesn't have more effects or continued effects. And I think what you're talking about is really common for a lot of us who have gone through those traumatic, unfortunate experiences. And I think a lot of the cancel culture comes from that. It comes from... So you, yes, I too, I know how you feel when you're talking like that because there is this element of why. Why was I tempted by a teddy bear or, you know, candy bar? Why didn't I tell my mom sooner? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And that's okay to have as long as you can put it in its context and understand that as an eight-year-old child, a seven-year-old child, even a 14-year-old, Yeah you don't have that kind a of a 22 year old discipline. who's
0: never been preyed upon if you're yeah. innocent yeah and so
2: yeah. many of us have gone through that but if you don't process that then what happens is that hurt turns into anger and anger is just pain with nowhere to go mm-hmm. and so that yeah. anger then becomes directed at the person who's perpetrating it often, but often more than that, it turns into anger at society, which bears some serious amount of responsibility. But I think if we can somehow find a way to not hide or not put away, but just expel, just let that pain and anger have air, it dissipates. But for us to do that, we have to be able to have nuanced conversations that don't fit into a twitter feed or an instagram Mm. post or a
0: conclusion there's this great temptation to have some conclusion at the end of the story and often there isn't one
2: yeah it's hard to have closure When some of the people are dead, others don't want to believe it. And a third set just don't want to take sides. And it's very tricky. Listen, I won't say who, but last night I was having dinner and a person I hadn't seen for a few years came up to me who had gone through a Me Too thing, a man who had been accused. And they were very, very intent on telling me their side of the story And I know one of the accusers of this person, and I just said to them, I said, look, I don't have a dog in this fight except to say that what I saw was X, Y, and Z, but I wasn't hanging out at three o'clock in the morning with you. I wasn't there. I don't know. And unless I know something concrete that I've seen or heard or felt with my own self, I have no business talking about this, and yeah. I don't have any comment to give you. Like, it's very yeah. painful. There is this kind of feeling that, well, you did this, and you, or you didn't do that. And that's true. A lot of that is true. But all we can do is huh. affect change in our behavior from today forward. And forgiveness yeah. has to become a part of that. Yeah, it has to. And I say, again, I say that as somebody who was sexually molested at five and seven, somebody who lost her virginity, who was raped at 16. I still believe that the only way forward for all of us together is through forgiveness and talking and talking and talking. Because I also sincerely believe, and this is not going to be a popular thing for me to say, but some of the men who perpetrated the assault and the harassment that they did to me personally didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong.
0: So, yes, this is a very dangerous distinction to make, but I always try to make it, which is there is lots of situations where both people their experience, they're being truthful about their experience and they had a drastically different experience. And that happens with meals, that happens with vacations, (laughs) that happens with events between my siblings and I that we witnessed. Somehow we all saw something different. Like That is the nature of a human perspective is that it is very, impacted by your lens and everything. This exactly doesn't excuse right. anything that a guy's done that a woman feel, but it's just, it is relevant. Certainly there's guy like Harvey Weinstein knows he's a fucking predator. He is saying at the door, you're gonna lose this relationship with me if you don't come in. Like, I don't care what his perception of that was. That's pretty cut and dry. But certainly as I've been around for 46 years and been kissing girls since I was 12, I can only assume some women have had a much different memory of experiences than I have. I don't know what the conclusion of that is, but just, yeah, the whole thing needs to be really complex and people are just allergic to complex, I think.
2: Well, complex is hard. Complex doesn't fit into neat boxes, but complex conversations are exactly what we should have. I say this, too, of all of last summer, not only of the Me Too movement, but everything that happened around Black Lives Matter and is still happening. Like, this is a very painful reckoning for everybody involved. But guess what? There's always pain when there's growth. Mm. And... It is necessary. So you can complain about the thorn in your foot all you want, but it's going to hurt when you get it out. And we have some very big thorns that we're walking around with in our feet as a culture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about identity with you because I would imagine for you, it would be a great topic. I have come to be best friends with Monica. I know her story in a way that I wouldn't have been able to guess someone's personal story like that. I've learned so much from it. I would imagine being born in India, then going to New York City, and then going to Los Angeles, <laughs> and then being a model, and then being a host, and an author, and a cook, all these things, I would imagine you of all people as a really, I don't know, interesting relationship with identity. And like, who am I? Where's my solace? So let's just start with Los Angeles being from India. You must have looked other. Where were you? La La Puente?
2: La Puente, yes.
0: La Puente.
2: So La Puente is kind of the pimple on the map between Hollywood and Disneyland. It's off between Mm. the 10 and the 60 freeways.
0: Great place to get an RV. I
2: saw that you were taking a road trip, by the way, on your Instagram.
0: I know all the RV hotspots in the country. (laughs) Exactly. So
2: when I was there, as now, it's very heavily immigrant population, a lot of Asians, a lot of Mexicans and other Latin minorities. Is it mostly Korean there? Now it's a lot of Koreans. When I was going to school there in the 80s, there were still Koreans, but a lot of Filipinos, Uh, a lot of Mexicans, some African-American. When I was a freshman in college, there were way more white people, white students, than there were by the time I was a senior in high school. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it is very much a working-class neighborhood. And I was brown, but I wasn't Spanish. And I don't think there were any other Indians in my school. If there were, I didn't know them and they did not come up to me nor did I go up to them. So people would assume I was Mexican like 20 feet away and then they got to know me and realize I wasn't Latin or Spanish and certainly didn't speak Spanish until I went to college. So it was hard. It's just weird being Indian back then because there weren't that many of us. So the only thing that people knew about India was Temple of Doom, which oh, okay. I watched the Indiana Jones and it just like, I love Steven Spielberg and I think he's a genius, but those series of movies were really kind of cringeworthy to watch.
0: Oh, wow, let's talk about it because of course, as just a white kid who was, I've seen myself in Indy, I'm like, this is exotic. He's traveling the world. Look how different all the play. It probably led to me being an anthropology major, to be honest. So, yeah, let me hear from your perspective, because I'm sure it was opposite.
2: Well, I mean, I love Harrison Ford, and I like those movies. And I was going to the movies in the 80s, just like every other kid was. And it was just hard to be Indian while that shit was on the screen. Yes. It couldn't be farther from the truth. So they're going into this thing, and... Kate Capshaw is all dressed up. Is that her, is she in that movie? I can't remember.
0: You know, as you're talking, I'm realizing really, I just know the first Indiana Jones inside now, and I don't really know Temple of Dune. So I'm trying to remember them going to India and what happened, but I don't have any memory.
2: I will tell you the scenes that like really were icky for me. It's when they're going and they get greeted by this Maharaja and he's got this big turban with some jewel on the top of it, like straight out of clicheville. Yeah,
0: a Disney cartoon.
2: Yeah, but then like they serve this huge fat snake on a platter that they then like cut open and all this stuff comes out. They're going and they have to get this lingam or this thing the stone which somebody has stolen and they have to restore it to the community. So in the end, he is, I guess, doing well and the water kind of flows. (laughs) And miraculously, all these downtrodden people all of a sudden have clean, brightly lit, brightly colored Indian clothing and all this stuff. But it's just the idea of the Western savior having to come there, but also like that Indians eat all this gross, weird food. So here's what you and
0: I both know as writers. Like on the outside, I'm like, so here's what happened. We've established Indy hates snakes. So we got to make Indy eat a snake at some point. Indiana Jones. We got to right. have him eat a snake. Where should we do that? Oh, India, I don't know. No one will know that they don't eat snake. There. Like, well, the, they
1: think they do.
0: Do you think they did or they just wanted Indiana Jones to have to eat a snake?
1: Well, all of the cliches tell you that they eat exotic, weird food.
0: I do think, yeah, they thought, oh, it'll be really plausible that they eat a snake down in India. And certainly no one will know if they do or don't. Totally reckless and irresponsible and not even worried about the picture that's being painted of India. And also maybe like a convenient mechanism for him to eat a snake. I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, I think if he's scared of snakes, you have him encounter snakes. Listen, there are certainly a lot of snakes in India. We as kids learned how to spot a cobra's nest, right? They're like these tall dirt mounds that kind of get made in cones like... That, really? so, so you can have mm. him encounter snakes. He's just, Indians don't really eat snake is the thing. Yeah. That's yeah. more like Florida town. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> seriously.
1: Wait. And so I have a question when you're at the movie theater, let's say, and, and this is on and you're with friends, are you compelled to then after tell them like, Hey, you know, that's not really how it is. Or are you trying to pretend it never happened?
2: Well, it's just uncomfortable. Yes, when you're the only person of a minority going to school, you wind up being kind of this tour guide or translator. And it's exhausting. You wind up saying to people, well, that's just bullshit, guys. Like, obviously, no one's eating steaks. But the fact that I have to say that out loud to my classmates tells you the the level of ridiculousness that that was the 80s. And so, obviously, I've made my living kind of translating mostly food, but also culture, to Western yeah. audiences and, and making approachable food from the East or food from around the world into like, hey, Koreans, they're just like us. They just eat really stinky cabbage. But guess what, guys? That cabbage is delicious. It's called kimchi. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And so the truth is that I have been doing this for 20 years. When my first cookbook came out, it was called Easy Exotic. And now, of course, I cringe at that title of the book myself. (laughs) So I share in this embarrassment as well. So, but in my defense, I was doing then 20 years ago. What I'm doing now is just saying, hey, this stuff's not weird. It's just weird to us because we're not familiar with it, but stuff that we do, like shove meat into the intestines of another animal and then roast it on a griddle and then put onions and peppers on it, that's kind of weird to people in another part of the world. Or
0: how about us putting chickens inside of a pig's body and then putting the whole thing on a spit? I mean, this is this is like cross-pollinating to, this is crazy.
2: You can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing.
1: I knew you did that.
0: (laughs) No, I did not do that. I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted.
1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash?
0: Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We are supported by Uber Eats. Spring is here, and now you can get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry, no. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. We are supported by BetterHelp. It feels like a lot has happened this year. It's barely even summer. We went to India for buy, George.
1: We sure did. Lots to process already.
0: Yeah. But even with so much going on, it's important to slow down. Take a minute to reflect on yourself and make adjustments. And if you need a little help with that, I can't recommend therapy enough. We are both in therapy. We are. We proselytize all the time.
1: Talk about it every day.
0: Couldn't function without it. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Plus, you can switch therapists whenever for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit BetterHelp.com DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. But I think the question that Monica was getting towards that that I have too is that in Monica's case in Duluth, Georgia, she just wanted to distance herself from all that stuff.
1: Yeah, like if I was at the movie theater and that was happening, first of all, I would be going insane in my head. I would be freaking out. I'd be so uncomfortable. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Everyone's thinking about me. Everyone's associating me with this. I hate this. And then I would have probably, which is so regrettable, I would have been like, ew, that was gross, right? Like I would have pretended that I was them. Like I was also on the outside.
2: Because you were. Were you born in this country, Monica? I was born here, yeah. Yeah, so this is something I got sent back every summer to India. So I actually, like, during school years, I spent 25% of my time still in India. So, like, I still speak Tamil, I speak Hindi badly, but I speak it. And I'm very tied to that part of my identity. But I'm effectively an American kid. I went through the American public school system. But... A lot of what you're describing is what many different immigrants go through, right? Or children of immigrants. There's the Indian culture. There's the American culture, whatever the fuck that means. And then there's this (laughs) third thing in between, which you probably inhabit, which is not being completely white bread, European American person who exactly. has been Honky raised cracker. Yeah. with monster trucks and meatloaf <laughs> and all that stuff. But then there's this other identity that your parents are still very, very ingrained in probably, which is Indian culture. And their culture is probably not even what's going on in India today because yeah. they left and they made their lives and their families here. Yeah. And my mom grew up in America Savannah. too. So oh, okay. uh, there was one
1: layer removed also because but of that. But her mother's that. like
0: you. Her mother came when she was six. Yeah, like right. she
1: could relate to a lot of the things you're saying, I think, where like no Indian people at all in her school. and Georgia. Especially in, in Georgia, yeah. There was no one other than...
2: That's a real thing, that Indian but Southern thing. Like, Aziz Ansari is a friend of mine. He's also from the South, and it's a real thing. Like, it's interesting. But that, to me, is what's cool about America, okay? That's the good news, is that There are all these layers of cultures that make us who we are and they're complicated and they're interesting and they often make for great conversation, great music, great films, great writing, and of course, great food like Mm. the Korean taco or Texas brisket. Ramen, for example, like all these cool <laughs> things is what to me makes American pop culture so cool. Because your mother is probably like me, you're probably like my daughter who's 11, and then she's got her whole dad's side. And my mother is like this little old Indian lady with a very thick accent that could never live in India. In her life, again, because she also came here in the 70s, made her life here. So she's not completely Indian, as Indian as she looks and sounds to the outside world. Was the stepdad Indian? My stepdad is Indian, yes.
0: I just want to reverse and just let's all take a second to laugh because until you said monster trucks, it didn't occur to me. White people love monster trucks. Sure. Sure, It's so funny. (laughs) I've been to monster truck rallies. It is 100% white. We love those monster trucks. What a thing for us to love. I mean, I guess it's kind of indicative.
1: Like these
2: big. Yeah, it's too,
0: it's enormous. It drives over other cars. Uh, yeah, Patriarch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's innocuous gladiatorship, if I can get yeah. that yeah. word up. Because no people are dying, hopefully, but we're still crushing things. So instead of crushing skulls or getting eaten by tigers, we're having one truck kind of demolish all of these other vehicles.
0: Two truck enter, one truck leave.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, so when you were in high school, prior to going to college, when you were imagining your life for yourself, I know you majored in theater, right?
2: Mm-hmm. In American Lit, yeah.
0: So were you aiming to act or were you aiming to be an academic? How about this? Back up. You and I, there's a mix-up. We have to share an Uber on the way to the airport. <laughs> you don't tell me what you do. You present yourself, and as I'm talking to you, I would be assuming you are like an academic. Like, you're very, 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 very smart. It seems like you probably would have pursued something in academia. I'd imagine you had that Indian pressure to, like, go be a doctor or something or an engineer. Definitely. So where were you going in your mind? And on the theme of identity, like, who were you going to be? Who is Padma, this bizarre mix of American and Indian and La Puente?
2: (laughs) Well— I don't know. I think I thought I was going to be an actor. I knew it was uh-huh. going to be really hard. And after college, my last semester of college, I went to study abroad and that's sort of where I started modeling just to pay off my college loans.
0: Really quick, before we go onward from modeling, can I ask, did you feel beautiful in high school? No. Because I have a few model friends that, models in particular, like actresses and actors who end up filling those roles in movies, They knew they were good looking. There's just something about it. I have a few model friends that like, they were wallflowers in high school and they got to this age and all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, you're this striking crazy unicorn. Do you want to model? Like it doesn't match up always the way acting does.
2: Yeah, no, it doesn't match up because there's the height thing, especially for girls. Right,
0: which is disadvantage in high school.
2: It's a huge disadvantage. Look, I was 5'9 with a size 8 shoe, which is what I am today, when I was 13 years old. And, you know, I felt like this gangly giraffe. In fact, people did call me a black giraffe or something, like really mean. But yeah, I mean, I knew I was kind of attractive. I wasn't a wallflower in high school because I had theater. And I not only acted in plays, but I also wrote plays for first year drama students to be in my senior year because try to find A play with 15 girls and two boys. That's very hard. So I wound up (laughs) writing one. And I thought that I would either teach or be an actor. I didn't really have a plan beyond that. I thought I would be a. First of all, I went to school and I chose a school I did because I thought I would major in psychology. I was always active in theater in high school, but it's the Indian thing. Like I didn't feel like my parents would have been happy. Yeah, so like it was like medical. There's no way I was going to be a medical doctor. So I was like, maybe I can do psychology because I'm really interested in people's feelings and it's still a great job and whatever. My aunt is a psychiatrist. But then when I got into college, everything was great, but I still missed something and I realized what I missed was theater. So then I changed my major. So I knew it was gonna be a long road. I thought that I would probably wind up being a teacher if, if the acting thing didn't work out. And to tell you the truth, like I never really had access to great parts. I mean, I know I'm sure Kristen as a blonde white woman would probably tell you the same thing. It doesn't matter. It's just hard in general to be an actor, regardless of what you look like. But I just didn't have access to those kind of auditions for the roles that I think I would have been right for. And I would ask my agents like, well, that girl from acting class, she's going in on this part and I'm that age. And they would be like, oh yeah, I sent your thing. They love you, but they're not going ethnic with that role. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: can I add, there's also like, you've got a triple whammy on your hands, I think, because when you're first starting in acting, you're basically incentivized to be as broadly appealing as possible. Like I gotta go on a tampon commercial, then I gotta go Burger King. I gotta look like a guy at a Budweiser party and then I gotta buy a new Honda. But then what's really bizarre is then it flips and what you're rewarded for ultimately is having a very unique point of view and that's what will bring you to stardom, but it's flipped. So, I mean, there's so many things they could have said the reason you are not Like, there's no way this girl's 5'9". There's no way this person's a model. Yet a lot. Like the role you would have needed <laughs> probably comes around every five. 5 years
2: Right. Yeah. And then I would get really irritated too, because I was also lumped in with all those models who wanted to be actresses. And I was like, no, I've written an honors thesis on the golden age of Spanish theater in the 12th. And people are like, nobody gives a shit. You <laughs> know, nobody gives right, a right, right, flying right. fuck about all the things you've read or studied. Can you sell yeah. this toothpaste? Can you sell that? Yes, yes. Like, you Do know. we believe
0: you bought a tampon, got in your Honda and went to Pizza Hut? We right. don't.
2: Exactly. But it is changing. It's much better better today than it was 25 years ago.
0: Yeah. So when you start modeling, that's kind of a left turn, right? And that becomes its own, what are you gonna not take that opportunity? And then that turns into probably years of modeling. And then, so again, where are we at identity-wise? Having talked to you, I'm assuming you probably don't love being known as a model.
2: I don't, but I have a lot of good things, like so much bad shit happens to you when you're a model. I will just say that just so I can get that out of the way. But for me, modeling was really useful. And I thank the modeling jobs that I had. I thank the fashion industry in spite of like, all of the insecurity and the shit that you get thrown at you. For me, I used modeling as a tool to other things. And I think that's probably because my mother made sure I went to college. I was offered modeling jobs when I was in high school. And my mom just always said, like, if you're pretty at 17, you'll be even more pretty or beautiful at Mm. 21. And you need to have your college degree. And thank God she did that. Because I think then when I was mostly done, except for that last semester, with college and did start modeling, I could put it in perspective. I had lived a little, I had studied a little, I was still a kid, you know, I don't think you're an adult until you're well into your twenties, frankly, but.
0: I'm hoping to get there in a few years.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it gave me some kind of perspective that this is temporary. Also modeling allowed me to pay off my college loans, which I had friends I went to college with who were paying them off for decades later. And then modeling also allowed me to travel the world in a way that as a young person, I'd have never had the resources to do on my own to go to all these different countries and learn about their culture. And on my day off, everyone else was like doing whatever. And I would go to the food markets and the open air markets. And I would try, I would ask the cab drivers where I should eat because they always know the good places to eat. And so I would go there. And so I don't believe that I would be able to do what I do today in television if I had not had those experiences in my early 20s. And that was extraordinarily helpful to me. It was like an education on its own.
0: I wanna be dead clear. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being a model, A. B, I think all the reasons you just explained, yeah, what an incredibly novel, unique experience. Feels like you're a pragmatist and it was a means to an end. It was financially motivated. But I'm wondering when you're going places you're dating someone and they introduce you as a model did it trip for you because that's not necessarily the identity the moniker that you were ever in search of
2: yeah it did i had a huge chip on my shoulder because i was wanting to make sure they knew that i had read that i was intelligent because here's why being able to model okay is no accomplishment of its own Okay, I look largely the way I do because of the alchemy of my parents' genetics coming together in this cocktail that made me.
0: They did a great job. Thank (laughs) you. I tip my hat to them.
2: (laughs) Thank you. So all the things that I've done after that, are, of course, a product of me using the opportunities that were given to me and learning from them and putting them into use in my work today as a writer, as a food expert, as a host on television and producer. But in those days, my 20s were very painful for me because I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously, which is true of most 20-year-olds. You shouldn't take people in their 20s seriously you should let them you should let (laughs) them experience life and fuck up and stumble and get up again i'm actually happy that i was a model in the age that i was because we didn't have the internet and i'm sure the first show that i hosted which was a job on italian television i'm sure i wasn't great at it i was sort of the funny sidekick and were you speaking italian yes i was (laughs) Wow! Mm, can
0: we make this is like when someone does an impression? Will you just tell Monica and I how gorgeous we look in <laughs> Italian? Can you say something to us in Italian? It's so fun.
2: Che oh. voi che te lo dico? Mi piace che stiamo parlando adesso finalmente perché dovevamo fare questa trasmissione anni fa, no?
3: Oh my I mean,
2: God! I don't know what you said. I know, I don't but doesn't even it sound care. romantic? It was she gorgeous. could have
0: been like that. Blouse doesn't match those bottoms. Why are you in a mechanics outfit? Your hair looks terrible, and yet I still felt like I was being romanticized.
2: That's right. Oh my gosh. Italian has that effect on people. It's my favorite language to speak, even over English. More than French more than french i'm not good at french my mouth doesn't move in that way but i have spent time living in france so i can get by i I can can get get by. by in french but really italian i enjoy speaking it so much i even feel like it affects my personality i think when you are somebody who speaks different languages your identity shifts a little bit because of the ways that you're able to express yourself in any given language. And I am my most sensual, funny self in Italian, I feel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, You'll ask someone, like, I remember being on a moped with Kristen lost and asking someone stupidly for directions. And the way this person was telling me how to get to where I was going, it was so enthusiastic. There was so much passion. It's like, but it's, uh, you're going uh, like, to see this light, but don't fuck that go past that like yeah the whole thing i was like i feel like he just gave me instructions to a surprise birthday party or something (laughs) totally passion
2: so i say i basically was modeling and because i could speak italian i actually lived in italy and france for most of my 20s from the time i was 22 to 28 I lived in Milan, Rome, and Paris. I had a pied-a-terre, a very tiny postage stamp apartment here in the city, and I would come to America. But to be honest, I didn't work that much in America as a model. They just didn't mm. know what to do with me. I also have a big scar on my arm, which helped in Europe because it was the grunge period. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. Is one of your peers,
0: I forget her, well, I never knew her name. I just know her. She was Asian and she had this awesome tattoo on her shoulder of a woman riding a wrench. Do you know that Oh yeah, Jenny Shimizu.
2: Yes, she was a contemporary.
0: Okay, that makes sense because that was my life. My life was punk rock music. And there was a model that all of a sudden I was like, oh. That's the first model I think I'd want to go to lunch with. She has like this fucking cool tattoo of a wrench on her shoulder.
2: Super cool. I mean, I was never edgy like that, but I got lumped in with them because of this really big scar on my arm.
0: Really quick to the scar, because I do know like if I Google you, which I've done, Padma Lakshmi's scar comes up it'll want to fill in the blank with scar right and i had seen that but i didn't know what it was from and then today i learned you were in the hospital for three weeks as a 14 year old and then when you got out immediately you got in a horrendous car accident in Malibu, and you had to have surgery on what I'm guessing your humorous or something?
2: Exactly right, yeah. We were driving on the freeway. We went to this Hindu temple. My mother is super religious, so she wanted to do an offering for getting her child out of the hospital. I had this very rare illness called Stevens-Johnson syndrome. And they could never figure it out. They controlled it by just giving me a whole bunch of steroids and stuff. And then I got out of the hospital on February 1st, which was a Friday. And on February 3rd, which was a Sunday, we went to the temple. On our way back from the temple, we got in this massive car accident. It's like where the 60 and the 10 and the 101 all meet Right there, oh, uh-huh it was a very big car accident. My parents were airlifted to USC Medical Center. I was taken to the City of Angels, and I didn't know if they were alive or dead for a good twelve hours because my mom was knocked unconscious. My dad was sort of in and out of consciousness, but I was totally lucid throughout the whole accident, and I remember it. and It was a very traumatic time in my life, but I came out of that time healthy, I think. And also with this giant six inch scar on my right arm, which was done. I've had several surgeries on it, which is why the scar just got bigger and bigger. And I keloid, I have melanin, I keloid. And so that's what the scar is from. And it took me a really long time to evolve and feel what I now feel from my scar, which is totally fine. There were a lot of years where I was really embarrassed by it.
0: Yeah. And you shattered your hip? I did. Oh my God.
2: Yeah. And my parents, too. My dad broke his leg in four places, his hip in two. My mm. mom broke five ribs in her sternum and her humerus as well. So it was a very serious accident. It took months and months of. Who came therapy. in
0: to help y'all? Because exactly. like it sounds like every member of the family's down. Who steps in to like help? Well,
2: we had an aunt and an uncle who helped a lot. And we also had one to one nursing. That was the only way. To get mm. through it. Wow. And it was a very, very traumatic thing that happened. But I've had a few of those things from the molestation. Well, accident. that's accidents. what I was just going to
0: say. It was going to, your scar is analogous to, you have an 11 year old. Yeah. I have an eight and a six year old. And I don't want trauma for my children yet. My life was littered with it. I don't know who I am without any of those things. And clearly you too. And it's just this bizarre equation sometimes, I guess I wish I knew more people that had nothing.
2: But that were still interesting and okay? Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) On fire or hungry or had something to prove. Like, I want that for my children, but without all the trauma. But I don't know that that exists. We'll find out. We'll find out.
2: I don't think you can ever have it all. I mean, I know how you feel because I think about this with my own daughter. And she's a kid who lives in New York City. And her dad is somebody who grew up in Texas in a very beautiful suburban Houston town so he's always freaked out when something happens or he says we're having a lot of panhandlers (laughs) down here in Soho and I'm like first of all I've never heard the word panhandler used by someone (laughs) of my generation but secondly like yeah You should go to India sometime, you know, which he has been many times, but it's hard. You want to protect your kids, but you have to teach your kids how to use their muscles. You have to allow them to develop those muscles. And it's hard. You want just a little bit of trauma in a safe environment (laughs) that lets them exercise their muscles, but life doesn't work like that.
0: I want one trauma less than the one that sent me into being an addict. Whatever the one, just one before that that just gave me resilience is the one I want for them.
2: Yeah, but again, that's another thing. Your children, like my child, are different than you. And so the thing, yes. that one thing that you want to take away that made you an addict may not have made somebody else an addict. And it may be that someone else needs much less to be an addict or mm-hmm. much more. Yeah. It's just like a mental masturbation to be like, oh, this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened. This thing happened at that given moment in your life when the weather was like this and the stars were like that and your mom was in a shitty mood or your dad yeah. didn't pick you up at school. And that is what happened. And we Can't change that. And my daughter and your kids are gonna have the same same feelings from different catalysts.
1: Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert. If you dare
0: this episode is brought to you by Natrol. Sleep is a big deal. If you're not getting your Z's in, then it just makes everything so much more difficult, and you feel a long way from the top of your game. So every now and then, not being able to get sleep and stay asleep is so annoying, and you think, ah, if only there was something that could help. Well, there's sleep, and then there's Natral sleep. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Click, tap, or visit natrol.com to shop now. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina.
1: Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia.
0: Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia?
1: Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh.
0: Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by celebrity cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them celebrity cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. I also want to add, because if I was listening, I'd be screaming this at my radio, which is, yeah, it's convenient to take two of the cases where all that trauma worked out and we've come to be grateful for it versus it destroys way more people than it makes. It creates way more addicts that don't come out of it. It creates more food. It creates a lot of people regulating with things that aren't great to regulate with. And so I guess like my fear that my kid won't be great Versus what my real fear should be, that they would be ruined by this experience for the rest of their life. It's just good to remember the full scope of what the options are.
2: Well, there's just something in between. And I do think that kids are resilient. I really believe that. I believe that they can come through a shit ton of stuff with love. With love and feeling that love and feeling that love not only towards them, but between the people around them.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of speed through the fact that people would already know this, but obviously the Italian side hustle worked out for you. You've found a great career in television. You've been a host on Top Chef since 2006. And because you've written three cookbooks and your new book is also a cooking book in, in essence, in transitioning from a model to a host, like how does food come in and how does that become part of your identity?
2: Sure. So when I did my first film, which was a costume drama for Italian television, I had to gain 20 pounds. And it was the first time in my life that I had ever tried to do that. And when the movie finished, I went back to being a model. I wasn't paid that much for that movie. And i had never tried to lose the weight before because I was always this freak of nature that was like five, nine and a hundred pounds. I always loved to cook. I always was cooking even when I was a five year old and stuff. So I took the recipes that I normally made and I took the fat out of them. In those days we thought fat was bad.
0: I was on a fat free diet for a year, ninety five. That was the thing.
2: Yeah, it was totally the thing. And the book came out in nineteen ninety nine and it was also like about, again, making food from all over the world more approachable because that's how I eat. And also that's how I felt most Americans ate. Not everybody had one kind of food, whatever that one kind of food was, seven days a week. So I wanted to take these exotic quote unquote recipes that I ate and take the unhealthy stuff out of them, make it more healthy so I could lose the weight. And that's how Easy Exotic was born. That's how the first cookbook got made. And I went on book tour and I went on the Food Network and I was on the show and I did a little cooking segment for them. And they asked me to come back like three weeks later to do another segment. And then I did. Mm -hmm. And then my manager said, well, you're going to have to pay her if you ask her to come back. She's not on book tour anymore and she can't afford to be doing this. And so they offered me a development deal And I got a show on the Food Network uh, that was part of the Melting Pot series called Padma's Passport. And it was literally like all the recipes from my cookbook, but I would just demo them in studio. It was sort of this stand and stir old fashioned cooking show. And I liked doing that, but... Scripps, which is a company that still owns the Food Network, is very conservative. And I was not going to wear a chef's smock. I wasn't a chef. I was a home cook, a bon vivant, a world traveler, a fabulous girl. I was cooking (laughs) in leather pants and shit. And so so then they're like, well, maybe we can throw you out in the field. So that's how I started doing documentaries. And I did a couple of documentaries for them called Planet Food. And then I got the gig on Top Chef all along the way, though, to make ends meet. I was writing. I had a syndicated column in the New York Times. I wrote a style column for Harper's Bazaar, did a couple pieces for Vogue, Gourmet. And then I was still auditioning as an actor and I would do one-off things when I got the parts. So I was bouncing and juggling all these jobs to piece together a living. And I was still doing that for the first few years that I was on Top Chef. I wasn't making enough money on Top Chef those first couple of seasons to make ends meet on its own.
0: Especially not in New York City.
2: Yeah, no. And so I'm a late bloomer and I only came into my own sort of in my early to mid 30s, I would say.
0: That makes sense because you seem to be aging on a timeline that seems to be like 0.6 of the timeline.
1: Oh, 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 physically?
0: Yeah, like she's 50. Yeah. But I glance, you're like, she's 30. So 50 sure. times 0. 0.6 is 30. <laughs> so really, when you were 30 times point, you were like 18. Yeah, that's the time to discover yourself.
2: <laughs> there you go. See, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, we figured it out. You're just aging slowly, and it fucking took a minute. All right, so let's talk about tomatoes for Neela. This has to be kind of loosely autobiographical a little bit, no?
2: Yes, it's certainly autobiographical. Earlier, you were talking about my books, So I've written two cookbooks and one encyclopedia. In fact, I have it right oh. here. It's an Ooh. encyclopedia of herbs and spices by me. And then I wrote a memoir.
0: We could do two hours on your memoir. There's so much stuff in there I want to talk about, but that'll be another time. Will you take 36 seconds to tell Monica what she's missing by turning her back on the Indian cuisine? You don't fuck with Indian food that much.
1: Well, the older I get, the more, but my, you know, my mom would make it and my grandmother would exclusively make it, but I would always demand like a grilled cheese instead or something. I didn't want to eat it and I didn't for the most part until now, now I'm embracing it more.
2: Well, Indian food is very regional. So there's a lot of diversity and variety in it. Indian food is good because it's inexpensive. It's mostly a lot of it is vegetarian, though not exclusively. There's some great non-vegetarian food as well. I love Indian food because it makes me feel healthier. So if you're going into veganism, which I am definitely not, but If you wanted to be a vegan, having a food background in Indian food as part of your heritage is very useful because if you just take away the butter, ghee, and yogurt, it can be totally vegan. And so it's a lot of things that are also good for the environment. One serving of protein from a plant-based source like beans or pulses costs 28 cents, whereas... One serving of protein from a cow costs $2.50. And Mm. when you grow crops like beans and stuff, it enriches the soil with nitrogen. So it's actually better for the planet, unlike animal farming and cattle and poultry and stuff actually puts toxic things into the soil and it wastes a whole bunch of water i'm not saying to never eat meat again i'm just saying to eat less of it and when you eat it make sure it's good quality meat and it's a treat but if you can have half of your diet come from fruits and vegetables you are already way ahead of everyone else your skin will thank you your hair will thank you your gut and mm. your brain will thank you it's just better better living through food
0: mm. I need more vegetables.
2: I know, me too. We're not I'm been getting enough
0: sad vegetables. hearing that. Okay, so Tomatoes for Neela.
2: So Tomatoes for Neela is based on a story that I would tell my own kid when she was going to sleep. Originally, there was a squirrel family in it. And this amazing, brilliant editor named Tamar Bracis, who just happened to go to my Pilates studio, was passing me by and told her instructor that she would kill to work with me. And so my instructor said, oh, I know her. I sub for her teacher when... She's gone. She's really approachable. Please tell her that. I'm sure she'll want to. And that's how we met. And I said, well, I have this story laying around that I haven't done anything with. And I sent it to her and she loved it. And we made some edits. And then we got this kick ass Caldecott award-winning illustrator who's a Peruvian woman named Juana Martinez-Nell, whose work I love. And it first turned us down because she was really busy and then said, you know what, I juggled some things around. I really want to do this book. So I'm so thankful she found space in her schedule. And that's how the book came about. And the book is really about the importance of teaching your children when things grow. Not all of us are lucky enough to live in California or Florida and don't have have affordable access to every vegetable under the sun all year round. Yes, if you go to Whole Foods, you can. But if you've ever had a tomato in February that's just grown like normal, you would know that it tastes like shit. It tastes like water. Oh,
0: How about a piece of corn on the cob in February? Oof, yeah, that's going to be rough. Yeah, it's like cardboard.
2: Yeah. So the story came about because my kid came back from her dad's house and was like, I want pomegranates in July. <laughs> we I had pomegranates at dad's house. And I was like, what are you doing? You can't eat pomegranates when it's hot outside. You have to eat tomatoes and corn and blueberries and strawberries. So this whole story about tomatoes came up. And it occurred to me that because we live in this land of plenty, unless you've taken it upon yourself to teach your kids when things are in season, why would they know? And it's important because if you eat things in season, you eat things in alignment with mother nature. They're not only better for you, they're more delicious. Mm. And then we wanted to talk about where our food comes from, but mostly it's an intergenerational story between three women of different generations, because I believe also that everyone in the family has something to teach that child. And if you can get the perspective of people in the family who have lived different lives from different generations, that kid is going to be richer and more well-rounded for it. And it's also about writing down the recipes that are important to your family and I use recipe writing to teach my kid a lot of spelling organizational thought sequential thinking and describing stuff there's maths in there yeah it's really good so I wanted to do a book that talked about seasons talked about the importance of family talked about the importance of cooking and getting your kids to cook from a really early age because a kid that is interested in food food from a young age will always be interested in food and how they eat. And you will give that kid a lifetime of good eating and nutrition long after you've bit the dust.
0: Yeah. And it's a cute story, right? You're going to make grandma's sauce. And so the inciting incident is to make grandma's sauce. So then you and your daughter have to go to the market and you have to look at tomatoes and you have to pick the tomatoes and learn which ones are going to make grandma's sauce. And then you come home and attempt to make grandma sauce. Yep. Yeah. As you were just talking, I remember I have a recipe from my grandma Yolas. It's spaghetti. It's in her handwriting. It's in a special book. I only make it once every two years. It's a fucking pain in the ass. It takes five hours to make it. But when I make it, I immediately, like, I see her handwriting. I can see her kitchen. Sunday, we ate that spaghetti. I can see the white bread. on Like, 60 minutes is on. It's kind of like one thing I love about Judaism is the baby naming ceremony that you would give a letter of a past relative to this baby and we would all take some time to remember the past relative. Like mm-hmm. it's just a great excuse to do that. So I guess, yeah, in my own life, I have that with this one recipe where it's just like, 20 minutes of the cooking is me thinking about my grandma Yolas.
2: Well, that's what Tomatoes for Neela is all about. And you should try to bring your girls into making that sauce. And I really want you to buy each of them a lined notebook or diary and let them bedazzle it or whatever they're into and decorate the cover as my recipe book. And so every time they like something that they sit down and write what's in it because it can teach them so much and then over the years they'll have this beautiful thing that you guys have all contributed to together. Yeah. That's just what the book is about. It's about encouraging kids to value the recipes that come from their family, your grandmother's spaghetti sauce, their mother's whatever recipe from wherever, and build on that. And I think those family stories are really important. They're what feed our identity. We started this conversation with you guys asking me about identity. And for a long time, I think I didn't know who I was because I had this identity crisis, not just Indian versus American, but in my case, I didn't know my real father. And so that played a huge role in me just having this hole in my head about a big part of me. And over the years, I'm old enough now to have created my own identity out of my own interests, but also mixed with my mother's family, which is in effect my family, the only family I have. And also my time in Italy and France and those people who have been important to me. But recipes are key to all of that. They're key to who we are, but also who we aspire to be. And that's why this book, I hope what Tomatoes for Neela will do is encourage families to cook more together and to write down what they cook and to blend my two loves, which is a love of food and a love of literature together.
0: Yeah. As you were saying it, I had this really profound moment this year where I started hosting a car show. All my time and life was split between being a comedian and wanting to race. And then, yeah, at 46, I find myself on a show where you've got to be funny and improv and also drive cars really out of control. And I was like, oh my God, for the first time in my life, it kind of makes sense. And I think you're one of those stories too. So if you're in your twenties or your thirties and you're like, I don't know where all these fucking ends of ropes I've put out lead, be patient and optimistic. Like sometimes they just kind of all weave together and it'll astound you.
2: Exactly. And your life
0: seems like that to me.
2: I always tell young people, like, it takes time to be who you're going to be. And the best thing you can do is be patient with yourself. Everything takes fucking longer than you think it's going to take. That's just mm-hmm. a given. I thought I would be all set in my career by the time I was 25. I was nowhere near that until I was yeah. like 35. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then looking at other people your age who have already done whatever they've done and you're like, well, I failed because they did it at that age, so it's over.
2: That's the worst. That is the absolute worst. And that is the voice in your head that you have to turn off. You have to compare yourself to five years ago, the self you were five years ago, not what Tom, Dick, or Jane are doing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's awesome to finally talk to you instead of just following each other on Instagram. I certainly hope I bump into you in real life in New York. There
1: was a lot more to say. No, I know, I want to talk to you so much
0: about attraction and parents (laughs) and dads and all that. I wanted to
1: talk about
2: yoga, there's so much.
0: Endometriosis, I want to talk about it. We must do it again, how about that?
2: I would love to, I would love to have deeper conversations about all the stuff you just mentioned. Thank you for having me on. I, I really, I watch you and Kristen from afar and so I'm very happy to be on your show
0: oh wonderful well great luck with the book and i want everyone to order it for themselves and their children tomatoes for neela which comes out august 31st on the eve of labor day or memorial day Hmm. whatever one follows labor labor labor. okay (laughs)
2: thank you nice to meet you as well monica bye bye you guys
0: and now my favorite part of the show the fact check with my soulmate monica padman welcome welcome we have two guests race to 270 boys are back
1: we're doing a little check-in
0: the two winners we only invited the, the winners back for this <laughs> yeah. it's like what's that road rules mm. thing challenge
1: road uh rules ch- real world road rules mm. challenge
0: yeah <laughs> that's what this is this is
1: like after the final rows. real rule road rules
0: who do you think would represent Real roads and road rules for this team. Real oh. house and real world. Okay.
1: Charlie is road rules.
0: Oh, really? And Aaron okay. is re- real world. Definitely. Oh, wow. I, I would have done the opposite. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never Actually, watched them. Actually,
1: they both could do either. Yeah.
0: Charlie looks very real world because he would be the babe in the house.
1: That's you know? true.
0: Road rules. It sounds like road dog. Like is Aaron. it
3: road rules or... Road Rage? It's Road Rage. Road Rules. Road called Road Rage. Oh,
4: my God. Road Rules, do they live in a house or it's just challenges? An RV, maybe? It's just no, no, Road
1: Rules was they lived together still, but on the road, ah. I believe. And then Real World was just in like a nice, fancy house. Yeah. But then they had challenges. That was a separate season where they'd bring people Real world people and Road Rules. Both but, of you would be involved in the challenges because
0: you both are
3: winners of yeah, the previous.
1: That's right. Yeah, I
0: think the right.
3: challenge is still going, but Road Rules is not. Would and neither is Real World, Ro- right? Yeah, they did like a reunion, I think, recently. Yeah. But yeah, well, I watched right. look, the challenge. <laughs>
0: look at wobby Wabi's little area. He's got like no, a no, whole office over there. it's beautiful. It's It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: I love it in here so much. Wobby Wob uh, hung some pictures and made everything look beautiful, and I'm a little worried. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Because you're going to, like, oh, when there's a new place, it won't look like this, right?
1: No, like, oh. Like, part of maybe the juju was that it was, like, trashed.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I'm not worried about that at all. Oh, in okay. fact, this feels more conducive to chatting now. Okay. I'm so glad baby Monica is the most...
4: I know, Front and center.
0: Yeah, prominently displayed. And next to a butterfly, which is, feels appropriate. <laughs>
4: oh my god. Like
0: both little critters have started their beautiful metamorphosis. I think there's a butterfly on my dress. <laughs> oh no. No, oh,
1: I oh. really think so on Wait, that dress. I think what? that dress oh. has a butterfly oh, on it. Oh, an
0: embroidered, but not a, 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 a wild butterfly. <laughs> yeah.
1: As part of the pattern, this is a big ding, ding,
0: ding. Oh my God! Well, let's start with uh, the f- fact that we all just had a really fun five days wow. in Temecula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're on. You're running <laughs> a phone call. Monica's <laughs> never mind. Monica's on the phone. I guess we'll perfect.
1: You can leave it at the door. Thank oh. you.
0: Oh, wow, Dr- drug dealer.
1: Mm. So, oh, what'd you order? That was a my DoorDash.
0: Oh shit! You had ordered and then forgot.
1: There was a whole. Issue this morning. I ordered John and Vinny's goods, like, a ton of it, and including Kristen's order. So much stuff. Uh-huh. And I accidentally, I guess, clicked pickup. <gasps>
0: oh, was this is a to, nightmare. It was supposed to
1: be 11.15. At p.m.? No, morning. Oh. And it was not coming, not coming, I was like, what's going on? And then finally they called me and they said, we have your order, are you coming? And I said, oh no, it's supposed to be delivery. (laughs) So then they delivered it, but now it's here now. Oh Jesus. And I'm a little scared because one of the items is a whole Branzino.
0: What's that? Do
1: you think it's f- okay, Charlie? Is that
0: wine? A fish. Is it salted? Oh, Jesus Christ. A whole you have fish. fish sitting on your porch? <laughs> just
1: one. For, oh, just my one God. Fish.
0: This is going to be more triggering for me, as you would guess. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot cook fish inside of an apartment. Stop it's just a saying rule. that. It's a rule. And now not only are you ordering more for your apartment, but now you have, you're have you going to keep it on the porch until you eat it. <laughs> Listen, oh let, it, my let it get nice and ripe. Before yeah. We... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a nice cut of fish. So
1: I'm a little stressed. Out. Well,
4: I imagine it's on ice. It's got to be on
1: ice. Yeah, that's what I imagine.
0: Can I make a recommendation though before when you cook it? Just to make sure in case there's any bacteria growing in there? microwave it for about 35 minutes before you prepare it (laughs) oh god i thought you meant there was a cooked
3: fish sitting on your stuff with the head on it
2: that would be be better
1: that might be better i know know this is a raw fish stuffed with some lemon thyme oh my god it's gonna be delicious by the way i'm very excited about it
0: i'm nervous but it's gonna
1: it might get rotten i don't know yeah
0: we'll see But we were at, for Eric's 51st birthday, we were all in Temecula, California. Great place. Mm -hmm. And we had a great trip. And on the trip, we realized that for my birthday this year, my birthday wish is for my two children, Monica and Aaron, to do a photo shoot as a proud dad (laughs) with one of his babies.
1: This came up on the last fact check. Oh, it did? That's how this started. We were talking about it on The Factory. We are talking about... Oh, you know what we were talking about? Your cameo.
0: Okay. Oh, right. Monica was promoting your cameo, which was nice of her.
1: It was a little self-serving because I promoted the cameo to say that a lot of people ask for Aaron's cameos to be in front of the baby Monica yes.
3: picture. Oh, like a, a we found that crazy out. crazy amount of people. Um, and also, a lot of them, they do ask for you, too. Dad. But oh, they're like, okay. I think they straight up just think I'm, some people think I'm with you. Right. And, um, they want you to, but I think That's they the just want right. you to give them the cameo. So a lot of times, I flip the phone around to a picture of you and I. Oh, good. Which I have pictures hanging. Good. Pretty much just me walking around with my, Phone and, uh, <laughs> and I'll like I, I shoot a picture of me and Charlie with our trophies. Sure, baby Monica. Oh, this <laughs> and is then nice. you and I a picture of us young oh. and a picture oh. of us oh. old. <laughs> <Just> old. <laughs> <laughs> That's, what my That's
0: the package. Are. Do we think Aaron should raise the price? I like that he's kept it low. I like it low. Me too, but there's been some talk that he should make it more.
1: You'll probably make more money with more people going for a lower price. Quantity
0: over
3: price. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when it started, and I asked you, I thought if I was gonna buy a cameo for a friend, mm-hmm. I think fifty bucks, I'd be like, eh. yeah. But thirty bucks is, seems just so yeah easy. I'm like, you'll spend that at lunch. Fuck. Yeah.
4: I have a feeling yours are long. Oh, you yeah. Them- he, I, that,
3: he, I've seen a few. Sometimes I apologize at the end <laughs> because I, I look and I've been talking for seven minutes. Oh, oh my- that's wonderful. Wow. So they're
0: getting a deal. Over deliver. <laughs> they're getting a deal. Yeah. That's right. I like that strategy.
1: Are you, Charlie, going to get on? I know you've also been asked separately. Like, he has his own cameo business, basically. People just reach out and say, "Can can you... Surprise, it's a surprise birthday party, and we want you there on Zoom. He what? Did this. He did this. Oh, I he don't did. know
4: about this. Yeah. Tell me about this. Well, I had the uh, someone reach out, and they, it was their wife's birthday, and he wanted to get a training session for her. Oh, okay. So I, we set it all up, I dial in, I'm waiting, they come in, she had no idea.
0: Oh. Oh, okay. I've encouraged Charlie to do a cameo, yeah. I think Charlie might, though, be better suited for real fans. Is that what it's called? Only Only fans. Only fans. (laughs) And this is where people could pay to see your dick and balls and stuff, right?
4: Yeah, they could. Is that what it is, fans only? It's mostly for... It isn't designed that way, but that's it attracts it's what it's a lot become.
0: of. Okay, uh, not in theory, but in practice. Yes. And is there any protection so that they can't then release that video you've sent them out publicly, or it can be recorded and re released? I think you
4: can screen record it. And okay, can. I have a friend that just started
3: one. <laughs> oh, really? And I think she does have stuff. She's weirdly on the challenge also.
1: Oh my ding ding ding. The, the real show. world road rules. Oh my challenge.
0: gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god! what if Charlie went on there just to trade? <laughs> With other <laughs> fans only fans like <laughs> I'll show you mine if you show me yours.
1: That's um, nice too.
0: It's really nice.
1: Can we get some updates? Yeah. People really need to know.
3: I know, I see a lot of people asking.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: couldn't have worked out better for an update. Yeah, Like, right? you have a horseshoe up your ass. Yeah. But a light one.
3: Yes. <laughs> I walked right up to Dad's bedroom this morning and uh, jumped on that scale.
1: Oh, nice.
3: Because uh, I knew this was going to come up. Yeah. And I've been feeling really good.
0: And this was after two cups of coffee. There's also a few pounds of coffee in there.
3: And clothes, on.
0: Yeah, and clothes. Because my children were in the room. Thank you for not getting nude on the scale. (laughs) As you're prone to do. I
3: was (laughs) going to say, I'm surprised. But that makes sense. 269. 269? 269, gang. That was the the weight. Yeah. You guys all. Oh, thank you.
0: Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. Wow, that's amazing.
0: Still 40 pounds down.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm so proud of you.
3: Thank you. And you know, I've, I've been back up since the contest. What was the highest you got? 296. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It went up another 30. Uh, Steve <laughs> so lost 40 pounds twice. Yes. Oh, my God, he's lost 70 pounds. lost 70 pounds? In a year. In a year. Wow, wow,
1: wait. I need to hear this journey. Well,
3: let's see. I'm going to be honest. So Ruthie and I start dating.
1: Yeah, shout out Ruthie.
3: It's at Ruthie Saxon
2: <laughs> on Instagram. And <laughs> and
0: she, she'll she do a thing, too. Yeah, sure. What do you call only it? Only cameo. cameo. Yeah. I think she's more only fans. Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely only fans <laughs> for her. What <laughs> if every time you came into your room, she was making some pervy video? I would
3: love and it. it was
0: just like, fine. Like, oh, sorry, honey, you're working.
3: I'll
0: <laughs> come back. Yeah,
3: yeah, he pays the
0: bills.
1: Man. Same with Erica. Charlie's.
0: Oh, Erica. I'd pay for a. She's
1: a one. never nude, but she, you want to see her body.
0: And you would pay so much more knowing she was a never nude.
1: It's. Extra impressive because she's a never nude and she has a perfect body.
0: She's <laughs> the female equivalent of Charlie. Yeah, so yeah it's yeah. true. Yeah, perfect 20.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Follow her at Erica, that's E R I K A J, J A Y E. Okay, back to Ruthie and Aaron's journey.
3: Oh, yeah. So, I. I don't want to blame it on anything except for I'm a weak person when, when it comes to food. But, um, you know, I celebrated immediately after that yeah. contest. I celebrated. I just started... E- eating shit. Like I was rewarding myself. Yeah. So I think while <laughs> Ruthie and I were starting to date, and she's very into health and wellness, and
0: she's so fucking strong. It's ridiculous.
3: Sh- yeah.
0: When Ruthie's staying there and we go downstairs to do our pump, we have to take some weight off the squat rack. <laughs> I'm sorry, the um, deadlift rack mm-hmm. bar. She has too much weight on there for us.
3: Okay. So that made me want to keep working out so I I was for a while I was lifting with her but I wasn't keeping up on any kind of cardio at the same time we're falling so far in love that she she meant and I told her like you probably shouldn't have said that but she's like guy I'm so in love with you I wouldn't even care How big you get? Uh Uh-huh. So that made Uh it a lot more easy for me to just fucking eat like an asshole.
0: Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Just put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) (laughs) And just put the hamburgers where my mouth is. I hate to say it, but her saying that kind
3: (laughs) of made me a little relaxed on my (laughs) regimen.
0: <laughs> it's all interesting uh, because it's, sure, if you got to be 400 pounds but you're healthy as a horse, sure, but it's not. you're yeah. saying to someone like, I don't care how on fucking death <laughs> door you get, yeah. <laughs> I don't care how close,
3: we gotta live in the emergency room at Boma. Yeah, and I know that's not what she meant. <laughs> anyway, so I I went into the summer months bigger again, I'm like, oh god so you lost weight over the winter. Again. <laughs> and in the summer, right, like everything in my life, I'm fucking doing the opposite <laughs> of what I should be doing. So I wasn't comfortable at this summer. So I decided to uh, start walking again. All I did was I did what I fucking did during the race. And I laid off of heavy lifting. Yeah, and I just started walking and eating really light. Went back to the turkey breast that mm-hmm. night and the
0: yeah. chicken
3: and broccoli and some steak and broccoli and. One yeah. detour, which I
0: think is is interesting, is is she's such a gym rat that it's emasculating to Aaron, which is a very interesting, <laughs> fun dynamic I thought to explore. Mm-hmm. Which is they go to the gym together. Like, yeah, let's go to the gym together. And then Aaron's like, fuck (laughs) me, man. I'm taking weight
3: off. Like, it's not a fun thing for a dude (laughs) to have his... Wait, it shouldn't
0: be, but culturally it feels a little weird. Yeah, you? so
3: when we go in the gym now, we kiss, and we break off the exact <laughs> opposite way. <laughs> and never the tween shall meet. Yeah, and that's um. Uh, and it's, no, and it's all. <laughs> I wish I didn't feel like that, but I do. And who cares? We're both there getting a workout.
1: It's good. that I mean, she's keeping him accountable just by being someone who is into oh. fitness. Same with Eric and Charlie. They keep each other Perfect partner
0: for Aaron to have. But it's funny because I can hear... Hear that, And then intellectually, I'm like, who gives a flying fuck? You're just supposed to work out. But most certainly if when I did squats and then Kristen stepped up and she said, will you throw another plate on for me? I, it would feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, and I shouldn't, but I would. I mean, I don't even like it if Charlie's lifting more than me. I'm like, oh fuck, I guess I'm gonna have to just hurt my back to just keep up with him. But it's worth it. I'll fucking run through these discs in my back. I got I plenty to spare.
3: Yeah, I'm afraid when <laughs> wait when my son starts Oh I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm really like, Oh great.
0: I thought that was a detour. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. I mean I, I bored. No, I'm not bored, but I don't know what to say. I mean I think it's awesome that she lifts like that and I and mm-hmm. I don't want women to be like oh I have to be tiny so I so well, I don't emasculate my yeah. boy and I I understand where everyone's coming from here mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shame anyone and I also don't I don't think it's a good idea to say that uh, you know you know what I mean I
0: yeah I think it's you don't want um girls like who pretend they're dumb in class so that exactly. the dumb boys don't feel even dumber mm-hmm. you don't want that happening in the gym
1: yes
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah we I don't either, but I think the way we I think the way we get to that point is we all first acknowledge like oh yeah that's emasculating why is that emasculating why do I care what does it mean if my woman's stronger than me <laughs> what does it mean to me
1: not but, it is emasculating it feels emasculating because it's not inherently emasculating that she's strong no it's just that you feel that way because society well, has told you that you're supposed to be way stronger or bigger or more powerful or whatever.
0: Yes, and it all circles back to the primary rule of life if you want to be happy, which is your fitness has nothing to do with anyone else's. Like the, the notion you'd even compare yourself to Ruthie, Charlie, Wade, <laughs> it's <laughs> irrelevant. Are you in better shape today than you were yesterday? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's but man, it's, tr- it's hard to it's not. Tough. Yeah. yeah. Even we were all working out, and the, the, one of the things I'm most grateful for in life is that our friendship circle happens to exercise. You have a funny exercise story, by the way.
1: Oh, my God, I'm still sore.
0: (laughs) I was watching Monica walk down the stairs last night, and it was one of the funniest things. I was like, oh, this is my new favorite character of yours. For her to walk up the stairs, she had to crisscross her legs every time and (laughs) do your hips really weird. You looked like you were like a 90-year-old little Grammy walking up the stairs. It was was, so cute. That
1: workout was on Thursday. Yesterday (laughs) was was Sunday. Sunday. (laughs) And it wasn't even, it was like the, 25 minute workout. Yeah,
0: it wasn't a big one. It was a
1: hit workout. But for some reason
0: you had not been working whatever <laughs> muscles they I
1: uh, I have not been <laughs> jumping. I guess it was a ton of jumping. So my thighs are they still hurt. I don't
4: know. You guys are all sweaty. You, it was you really, were inside and you were all sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it was hard. I gotta do more jumping. Do you do a lot of jumping? You do. Mm-hmm. I
3: was impressed by your jump the other day. Oh, oh thank yeah. you. Oh, that once again,
0: too. I would have never done that, but Ryan did it. Yeah. And I was like, I can't live if Ryan oh, can do true. something I can't. <laughs> I'd rather be dead. <laughs> I'm in a so It was worth going out the window, because as you recall, if you come up short, there was a a counter in the garage that was, I don't know what it was, three feet off the ground or something? Mm-hmm. At Maybe least. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty
3: tall. It was pretty good.
0: But at any rate, Ryan leapt up there, and I was like, "Ooh, that fucking looked impossible. And then just on the other side of the counter is a huge picture window. <laughs> so if you come up short and catch your toes on the edge of the counter, you're probably going straight through the plate glass window out onto the side of a hill and then rolling down the hill. <laughs> it was probably a life or death without that being impressive of a trick. Yeah. <laughs> But I just went over there quietly to myself to just prove, I was mm-hmm. like, you yeah. fucking piece of shit. You're a piece <laughs> of shit if you can't jump on this counter. How you do know. we
1: stop this? <laughs> I'm, se- no, I'm serious, of- I'm serious. Because like, you know, Laura's boss last week, he fell off his balcony and died. There's just no reason to do dumb shit.
0: Well, that's a, it's a huge bummer that her boss died. And I don't know any of the details of how he died. But I think a couple things are also true, which is um, competing with people also brings out the best in you. Like, because I have all these younger friends, I kind of got to keep up, and that's probably going to benefit me over time, assuming I don't go through a plate glass window. (laughs) The second thing is I think I did so much dangerous shit drunk, you know, without my balance intact, that all this other stuff to me feels like nothing.
2: Okay.
0: still upset.
1: Yeah, I just like I it. just wish people would just not do stuff. They just stuff. chill. <laughs> just chill.
0: I didn't even do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even happen.
1: Okay, so do we have an update from you?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm two eighteen. Two eighteen-ish. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Around
0: 12 below starting point wow.
1: for the challenge.
4: So down 52 pounds.
1: Oh wow. my Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck.
0: Mixed with my gratitude that our group happens to exercise nearly every day was also the acknowledgement that we also sit all day long. That's what our group does. So if, if we were not to work out, we'd probably all be dead of blood clots because <laughs> we work out and then we sit down that's for the next shit. 14 hours and play cards.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: There's a swim in there, but it's a short swim. Mm-hmm. It's a 10-minute swim. There's maybe one or two trips down the water slide, and then it's right mm-hmm. back to sitting at that table. <laughs> so in a weird way. Or in
1: the hot tub, but then you're just sitting in the hot tub.
0: Yeah, we're probably yeah. net zero if we didn't work out, but we like moved around a bit.
4: Right.
3: (laughs) you said you feel normal at 220 right or that's where you want to be
4: like 225 probably i've been trying to lose so i'm down a little below that but i can pretty consistent 225 to 230
0: i think what's happening with you is what happens with me and my hair and my facial hair which is no matter what version (laughs) i have of hair and facial hair i see a picture of myself (laughs) the one photo in a thousand i looked handsome in and I'll have long hair and whatever, no beard or beard. And I'm like, fuck. I mm-hmm. looked way better that way. I looked terrible. <laughs> and I think you probably, with your body, do that. Mm-hmm. Like you're 270 and you looked at some pictures of yourself cut at 230 and you're yeah.
4: like, oh, I think better
0: cut. And now you're kind of smaller. Now you're like, now I'm a little boy.
4: And now I'm going <laughs> to be a big
3: boy again. Yeah, I
4: want to be a baby. <laughs> He's just withering
0: away to nothing at 217.
4: I want to get down. Maybe a 210.
0: I'd love to meet you at 210 so we can take a picture together. Wow! Because 210 is going to look much better on you than me. So I'd love to get a side by side, (laughs) kind of similar to you and Aaron both being 270. Was a funny, kind of a little bit two two different versions of 270.
1: (laughs) Bodies Mm -hmm. are so different. That's what's beautiful about them.
4: I know.
0: (laughs) We love bodies.
4: (laughs) I want to get down so I can go back up for the winner.
0: Yeah. By the way, we could kind of do another round because you kind of want to get to like 250,
4: maybe 255. Two fifty five,
0: but so that's crazy to go from two ten to two fifty five, and Aaron's got to go from two sixty nine to two fifty five.
1: Yeah, maybe
0: we got to set like um, a weight that's both people have to go twenty pounds. Or 25 yeah, maybe they don't
1: have to hit the same.
0: Right, they although just that made have it to so go this, it,
1: did, it Did make it exciting? Yeah. But we can't ask Aaron to go back up to 300. Also,
0: we're going to have to give Aaron Delta to get, because part of the recipe last time was COVID. So, are you going to have to get Delta at the last week of the contest? What <laughs> 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 if you start collecting foreign pathogens? You're right. You're out of.
3: That's my technique, I'm trying to remember the last time I caught a whiff of 250.
0: Do you think if you lived out here, you could do it way easier? Mm
3: hmm. Yeah, I think if I even had a group of you guys right at home. Yeah. It's not super easy because of Ruthie. Yeah. Because I don't want to just sit there while she's working out. But um, I- I'm not accountable to anybody else. Yeah.
0: It's wild how strong community is. Yeah. Like, we naturally don't want to be out of step with whoever mm-hmm. we're around, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. When I booked the plane ticket out here... Few weeks ago, then I kind of said, "All right, enough's enough." And um, Earthy goes, "Oh my God, the way you're going, you might be 270 again by the time we go to LA." And, mm-hmm. and then
1: you and were. it happened. Yeah, wow. I was
3: two. Yeah, 73 the day before I left. Oh,
1: that's incredible.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us some facts?
1: Oh sure, okay. There aren't that many. So the first fact I have here is that I had a dream about Matt Damon last night. Oh, yeah.
0: tell me why, and why do you think you had it?
1: Well, I guess he's on my mind. He's yeah. been on my mind for thirty years. For thirty-four years,
0: yeah. For <gasps> <laughs> Hold on a second. When does this come out? Monday? Uh, what will the no, day be? no, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, just I just want everyone to know we're in we're in a countdown right now to Monica's birthday. August 24th, yeah. she gave me 34. It's your moon birthday because four and four. Oh, my God. 34 and 24. What do they call that?
1: Huh? No, huh? No, no, that, <laughs> What's she talking about?
0: <laughs> when you're the same age as your birthday. No, that's
1: golden birthday, that's golden. but that was when so I was this 24. Is no, but if
0: you have a four in it, it's a platinum birthday. Oh. Oh. This is Monica's platinum it's birthday. But yeah, when she's 10 years past her the most complicated. Uh.
1: <laughs> Ten years past the golden. Yes. Okay. So you were twelve on your platinum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god! Best year of my life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck, that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Monica! You're gonna have the fucking best oh, so year exciting. of your life. That's one funny thing. I uh, one last thing before the um fat the updates. Um, just one more thing that happened on the trip. We realized is so um. As we've talked about in here, the only time I've ever had a pregnancy scare where I had to go with my girlfriend and get a pregnancy test at the fucking grocery, well, at Perry Drugstore. Uh, I was in seventh grade. I was 12. She was in ninth grade. We had a pregnancy scare. Um, so we just figured out on this trip that fucking Charlie would be my son's yes. age. Oh, yeah. And we were thinking oh. how proud I would be if fucking Charlie was my son. Oh, my God. We went everywhere together and people assume we were friends. I'm like, this is my son. You would be happy. This is my, Rich. look how beautiful and you, and my and grandson Wilder is. Most beautiful oh. <laughs> grandson. Can you believe these are my genes? I would be like, what a <laughs> feather in my cap to have Charlie as my son and Wilder as my grandson. It
1: really took a leap from he would be your age to it's him. <coughs> it,
4: <you>, yes. <laughs> Dax knew this 10 years ago. And he's been he befriended me to to get to know me first oh before my breaking God, the, the news. Jobs. I'm his missing
0: dad and oh. I but
4: I wanted to like
0: earn it. I didn't want to just show up and be like, I know I haven't been around, but now I'm here. I want to be like, let's just be bros and then really PS, working. I'm also your father. <laughs> wow. and, I love, and I love you to death. <laughs> <laughs> and I die for you. <laughs> and you've made me so proud because oh. you
4: look so good. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: Now I know how Bill Gates' parents feel.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Matt Damon, what was your Matt Damon dream?
1: I just ran into him at a party and I was wearing yellow and he was wearing yellow. Oh my gosh. And I went up to him and I said, hey. Like, because we know each other now. Yeah. you,
0: know? you kissed your head.
1: Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> it's like, hey. Like, he was a little upset Aww. by the interview.
0: Oh. He was like, it
1: turned out okay.
0: Oh my gosh. No, it turned out really good. I know, I know.
1: Well, I said, I said, were you happy with how it turned out? He's like, yeah, it was okay. Oh. But then later at the end of the night, he invited me into his car. No. Yeah, and he had a really fancy car. It was like a Lamborghini.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. he's driving a Lamborghini. He would look so silly getting out of a Lamborghini. That's not the car for me. It's not. It's
1: not. <laughs> but I loved it. And then he just wanted to chat. He was like being nice again. He was like doing the thing he did here. This is
0: in such keeping with your narrative. <laughs>
1: and he invited me in the car and we chatted. But yeah, nothing wow, happened. Nothing happened. I know, but can I tell
0: you a quick hack with dudes? If they invite you into your car... It's to make out. They don't want to chat about the episode. No, he
1: didn't want to make out. He was ready for me to get out of the car when I did.
0: Would would either of you ever invite a girl into your car at night after a party if you didn't have romantic intentions? No, no. I would never because I would be afraid she would think I had romantic intentions. Well, I was
1: confused. I was confused in my dreams. Yes, but this
0: is in keeping with you not recognizing when people are in love with you. I just want to say it even exists in your dreams. Like that's the most clear sign he wants to make out. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you come to my car with me after this party? No, what? no, no,
1: okay, that's not For really how it went. For fucking what? A I, chat. Was, I was walking oh, by the car and he was getting in, he was leaving.
0: Even crazier, hey, you wanna hop in? I'm leaving. Oh, no. Friend, <laughs> wanna come sleep on my couch and have a plutonic conversation tonight? Well. <laughs>
1: You would do you do that you, you're never, married uh, and you have people over at your house he's married. I
0: have multiple people over. I don't have any females into my car at night after parties. Well, <laughs> <laughs> ever. <Okay.
1: laughs> All right. Well, he's not like you. <laughs> okay. And he, didn't, and he, he just uh, wanted to chat.
0: Uh-huh. Anyway, were you in the car were you trying to get it something romantic well, I, going?
1: I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like I was like what's happening
0: is see you knew
1: that i wondered but then he was like okay bye he was ready for He's me a, to leave this
0: version of him sucks no. he hated the interview he drives a lamborghini and he doesn't fucking hook up with a girl he invites into his car what a bozo
1: <laughs> you would have liked his car it was yellow too just like our outfit. fucking
0: yellow Lamborghini. no
3: Yellow, yellow.
1: A Lamborghini.
3: What's he? Eleven years I old. I think with
1: you recently poster? said if you're going to get a Lamborghini, you have to get it in yellow. No,
0: I said if you're going to get a Ferrari, you got to get it in red. Oh,
1: okay. Goddamn. To me, that's I mean, the exact aren't comparable. same
0: thing. What were we in talking about? Because that made a re- that was a good analogy at the time.
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Is Kate Capshaw in Temple of Doom?
0: Yes. Mm. Thank God. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, these guys weren't there. Let me just fill you in. She was talking about being Indian and going to Temple of Doom, and they go to India and they eat a boa constrictor. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, gross, they eat boa constrictor. <laughs> and she's like, they, no one eats fucking yeah. boa constrictor. <laughs> yeah. and they don't eat it in hell. Oh
2: my
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although
0: I bet boa constrictor's pretty fucking good, because people like rattlesnake. Meaty. Yeah. If rattlesnake's good, bow constrictor's got to be delicious because yeah. it's six times the size.
1: But don't you think it's tougher?
4: <laughs> Might be tougher. I hope. <laughs> but the problem with rattlesnake is there's so many bones, so maybe there's fewer bones in that constrictor. Oh. Or there's more meat in between them. We were camping and one slithered out. No. And I happened to have a machete on my bow. No. And I hacked it off. Come on. The head off. No. And then I kind of felt bad, so I skinned it and oh. cooked it in a skillet. <laughs> When did this happen? Wait, a couple of years what? ago. What? You Maybe fucking field dressed a rattlesnake. Two of them.
2: <gasps> what? Now there's two. Of them. <laughs> well, so the first the
4: first one was in our camp, and
3: what were we up there oh my for? God.
4: First one was in our camp, and it was at night, so it was just kind of cruising through. I went into a bush. So I waited till it came out, and Oh wow. And then the next day, there were like a group of girls camping at another site and they started screaming oh, wow. oh, about God. a rattlesnake. This is the dream. This is the dream. Well, so of course, oh I'm like, God. I did this last night. I'll yeah, let me take my it. shirt off and grab my machete. Well, I didn't have it on. Of course, on. Of course. Didn't bring one. No. Didn't bring one.
0: We're camping after all. I think one of the kids asked me that this week on the trip, if you had brought any shirts. <laughs> I'm
4: like, I hope not. I brought, I brought one in case something crazy happened. I walked over with my machete and oh. this thing was going wild. Wow. Oh, wild. So I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> Are you a little
0: above your pay grade? I was
4: way above my pay Rated, grade. But ran out of talent? I waited it out. It was in the bush and just went for it and got it. <laughs> oh, my
3: wow. God. This just
0: is incredible. It. I didn't know this chapter of your life.
4: And they wanted to keep the head, so I gave them the head. Did you cook
3: oh, that wow. one? Yes, I didn't
0: cook it. How gross is it? Pulling that skin backwards
4: it and it comes off like a candy wrapper.
3: You're kidding. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and what do you deal with all the organs and shit? Don't deal with those. Just you kind of like gutting a fish right down the middle oh. and it just get out of here.
1: Oh my god, that reminds me of my fish.
4: It it, it 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 twitches and
1: spasms oh. in the pan.
4: It's really exciting. Wow. And how did it taste? Did you have seasoning? Uh, like, I uh, cooked it in bacon. Oh Oh my God. Great. Salt, pepper, and
0: This is and the bacon. most
1: masculine story I've ever heard in my life. And
0: it's a thousand percent a story Aaron and I would get I would going them. on on mushrooms. <laughs> like, I wanna eat a rattlesnake in bacon grease. This would be one of our dumb fantasies right. on mushrooms.
4: I think I still have the skins. Oh
3: my gosh. Somewhere.
4: And so what was the taste out of 10? The bones got in the, a lot of yeah. bones. The yeah. taste was like chicken. It pretty, was. Pretty plain. Okay, just so many bones.
3: So many chicken bones. I so guess. many chicken
4: bones.
0: <laughs> Too many. They must have eaten a dozen chickens.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you Google how to do it, or you just knew?
4: No service out there. Yeah. We were camping. Life mm. or death.
1: What it could have been poisonous.
4: I did think for a second that I it could be getting some venom sacks. Yeah. Of course.
0: Was but. it obvious where those? I think it's all held in the head. I think it's head. all in
4: the. I thought it was all in the head. You hope. And turns, out, turns it out it was. Turns out what it was. What if you,
0: you served that you and Ryan? You guys were dead 10 minutes later. <laughs> Ryan might have been there. And the fucking rattlesnakes got the last laugh.
4: Ryan was probably there. This
1: is kind of about the jumping on the thing. You know? Yeah,
4: yeah. It was yeah. risky. Yeah, yeah. So well, scary. the first one wasn't so risky. Second one.
0: It was dicey. Ooh. Real dicey. Nate has a great story about that, where he's in his house as a teenager, and his sister comes in screaming, there's a rattlesnake in the garage. He goes out there, and he gets a shovel. And he's like looking at this rattlesnake, he's I'm gonna fucking chop his head off. And he swings the shovel as hard as he, he swings the shovel so hard he falls down. <laughs> he hits the rattlesnake with the shovel, but doesn't kill it. And now that thing's flying all over time oh and space. God. It's like somehow they can get airborne. Yeah. And it's going, and he's now on the ground and he's wearing boxer shorts and he's just swinging the shovel around on his back. I'm like, this is great. I bet so many people lose the fight to a rattlesnake. Oh, yeah. Cause I've only oh, heard a I'm few sure. stories and it's, Always worse than you're expecting.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> they do go
0: crazy.
4: They're just flying <laughs> through the air. Oh Ew. my God, and shaking that tail. That's a trip. I, I hate
1: <laughs> it. Oh trip. my God.
4: And it was, I think, like six feet long. It was almost as tall as I was. Oh my God. It was good eating. Jesus good, good eating. <laughs> <laughs> Any more
0: facts?
1: No. That's it. That was it? Yeah. I do have a fish to get to, and Charlie has to pick up his child.
0: Okay, great. What was it, 216? 218? 216, 217, 216, 216,
1: somewhere around there. Okay. Sub 220. All right, we're doing great. Yeah, Proud of you guys. And we may
0: have the track laid. I didn't know what it could be a second round, but I feel like we might have the track laid for another another thing. Yeah, I kind of wanted to challenge that would make you guys better human beings. Yeah. But that might not be as fun.
1: What would that be like? Reading oh, yeah.
0: books? Yeah, like um Quick to read. <laughs> yeah, like top ten I would classics. Lose that so and uh-huh. then you gotta come in here and you kinda almost gotta do a book report. Like you oh, gotta tell kinda me about of fun. that's kinda yeah, because I thought it could be a cool way to for all of us to learn about some classics. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you guys would become better fathers, I guess. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: probably learned in a Hemingway book how to kill a rattlesnake that's properly. True. You might true. pick up some life skills. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking about classics, and I was thinking, I don't know. Because it's, it's all about, like, self-improvement, the challenge, as much as. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not like weight. No, it's no. Like health. I agree. It's like It's maybe, you know, mental health.
1: Maybe, hmm. like, first to get a certain score on the Mensa test.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> or first, um, yeah, to get self-actualized by a guru.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. First
0: to uh, teleport. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the other day when
1: we were driving home. I was like, when is that going to be a thing? Like, I need that to be a thing now.
0: I know, but you know what would happen to us? It's the same as, like, I'll say to my kids, i will be like, I want to hear Bang Bang Booty by Poopoo Pants. <laughs> and I'm driving. I'm like, okay, let me try to get, you know, and I'm like, just barely trying to glance at and get, pull the thing up. And if it takes 45 seconds for them to hear a song, they're apoplectic. Daddy, I said Poo Poo Pants by Dingleberries. And you're like, yeah, I'm trying. Like, they think they should hear any song they think of within 10 seconds. And I'm kind of that way now, too. So all this fucking thing did is make me even less patient. The phone, yeah. So I'm imagining this teleporting thing. Like, I don't know, like... Something different would happen. You'd, you'd teleport home, you'd be like, oh, I'm so fucking bored. Huh? I wish I was in the car with everyone. Something, that just it doesn't ever go the way we are expecting, I feel like. No,
1: that's true, but.
0: Like, let me tell you this. Back before you could do anything, I, was, I feel like I was almost never impatient. I was like, I'd love to see that movie. Can't do it. <laughs> How would I see that movie? Go
4: find the VHS tape. And you I'd never go, hated commercials until you had the option to oh, skip them.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I fucking hate them. I can't
4: even imagine there being one. No.
1: I actually kind of... To be honest, feel the opposite. Like I used to hate commercials and now when they come, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a break. Like I'll go get like a a drink. It's my chance because otherwise I just have to be like on.
0: Well, I I have observed this in my children. They get pissed when I'm um, fast forwarding through commercials. Like, yeah, why are you going through all the good commercials? I'm like, guys, this no Ah. commercials you don't want them. (laughs) You want the program. But they love the commercials.
3: Interesting. (laughs)
0: Because they were denied them.
4: Exactly. Anyway.
0: I think this just the resting state of a, a human is annoyed or impatient. I mean, that's so I, true. And we, we think something like teleportation will f- solve that. No, it's just like homeostasis for a human being is desiring more.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. But we could have just teleported straight to your house and hung out for an extra two and a half but, hours. But
0: I think it also is a, a reinforcement of like, life isn't about getting anywhere. Bear with me because I can see (laughs) that could be triggering. But like Aaron and I had the time of our life on the way home. The drive home for us was as good as the trip for me. (laughs) We were blasting Almond Brothers essentials.
1: Um, When your best friend is in the car, it's a little different. I was by myself. I know. So So just next time, you know,
0: ride with us. (laughs) Then you won't want to be there.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: That's my solution. It's a good solution. I'm still
1: interested in teleporting.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I want to do it for like Formula One races, <laughs> where I can exactly. just like Sunday morning, I wake up and take my sweet time getting ready, and then I hit a button and I'm at the race. Boom. That sounds cool. In your seat. Yeah. The other really cool thing about teleporting, the thing that I'm most drunk on, the notion of is living in on a ranch of 600 acres and working in this attic every day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah, the part that's, that's crazy. Cool. Like go home at night to. Acreage, Anywhere. that's $5 an acre. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then also going like, I'm hungry for Emily Burger. And
1: your friend can, <laughs> like, I can live across the street and still hang out with you every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I can come to your house 3,000 miles away at any moment. Yep.
0: That's right. You could have a best friend in Paris yeah. that you saw all the time. And we. But the, the, the problem, <sighs> though, the we, we we've already thought this through. One of the major problems you run into is that you could never eat Emily Burger again. Cute. Everyone in the world would teleport there for dinner. To get that burger. You fucking teleport and you look and there's over over a hundred thousand people there.
4: Well you could order for you could order for pickup and just
1: Oh God, that's true.
4: Oh poor postmates. They're gone.
0: Cause they can obviously teleport your sandwich to your house if they can teleport a human. So like your fucking pizza parlor would just hit a button and be in your
2: in your oh, oven. In, in your oven yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm.
3: Creates a lot of jobs at those restaurants, so they got to be <laughs> this cranking out
0: food. And the yeah. button makers, all these, everyone needs a button. All 320 million Americans need a button in their house. <laughs> Multiple buttons. You need a button in every room. <laughs> Everywhere you go.
1: Portable button. Oh, the
0: greatest thing too is like you could be at the baseball game, and you got to shit. You go right. Home. <laughs> go to your bathroom.
3: Oh my
1: take God. a
0: shit. Oh, yeah. Pop right back to your seat.
1: Fuck, this is good. See?
0: But again, you'd get so impatient. Like anything that couldn't happen in one second, you'd be furious. Why aren't I eating Emily Burger right now? Why aren't I swimming in Lake Superior right now? You could be. You could be.
1: See, what you could do is get teleported to Emily Burger, put your name on the wait list, because it is packed. Yeah. And then you can um, immediately go to the Eiffel Tower and hang out, mm. like, uh, have, like some have, cheese, have some cheese, have some cocktail and some cheese. And then when they text you, you just teleport back.
0: That's true.
3: God, You're God right Christ. about that. It's going it to be out. a lot of traffic at Emily Burger in Paris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in the air, I guess. And every city is going to be
3: deserted.
0: Not one person would live in a city. They'd just hang in the city when they wanted to and get the fuck out of there when they didn't. Needed anymore. Uh. Now that I think about it, I'd take back the ranch. I'd live on, I think, Lake Michigan. Mm. I'd swim every night in Lake Michigan, but I'd do all my other shit.
4: We could have a couple places, pop around.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's no point in everyone having a house in the same.
1: Yeah, we just diversify. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. Well, well that was that's a little glimpse into our for. future. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> on this episode of Future Talk Charlie, Aaron, Monica, Dax, and Wobby Wob. Love you
3: guys. So fun to have you, Poppins. Yeah, thank you.